0: Welcome to Lost in Translations, I'm your host Michael and today I am joined by Lauren, also known as Cooks Books on Booktube and we are talking about Crimson by Navik Cornelis and this is translated by Anna Halliger. Welcome back to Lost in Translations. Today I'm joined by Lauren, who is a booktuber who's just working on a placement for her masters. Welcome, Lauren.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for agreeing to be on here. Sometimes it's hard to get guests and booktubers seem to be the best because they practice talking about books.
1: <laughs> a lot of time in front of the camera in your own bedroom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I find podcasts easier because you have someone to talk to instead of a camera. Mm. (laughs) So you're a very eclectic reader. We don't read that many similar stuff, but you do read a bit of all over the place, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'll read pretty much anything anyone puts in front of me. This year I've kind of been challenging myself to read a little bit more uh, translated fiction, which is how Crimson came about.
0: Yes, well, we'll be talking about crimson and i noticed i think it was recently you were reading another science fiction translation I, I can't remember which one i should have prepared <laughs>
1: oh i've been reading uh, a little bit of stanislaw Lem.
0: yeah that's the uh, one so
1: i read the future congress and solaris
0: yeah i saw solaris i think was the one i remember saying
1: one page of finishing solaris and that is my only mission for the rest of the day
0: Awesome. It's one I've wanted to read for ages. I've never got to it yet.
1: Very different from what I expected.
0: Yeah, well, that's why I like reading translations, because you don't get the same formula formula that you normally get. You normally get something different.
1: Mm. Definitely, especially um, when it comes to translated genre.
0: Yeah, well, well, I haven't done much genre on this podcast. I really need to do more. It's just trying to find people. I think I know too many people that read similar styles of books I like (laughs)
1: Mm.
0: yeah well
1: you often find your own little echo chamber
0: yeah well my echo chamber is very small because not many people seem to be reading many translations
1: no hopefully I've seen a few people starting to pick more up and be more vocal about the translated fiction they're reading so I'm just finding a couple more people every now and then
0: yeah I feel like it's on the verge of like kind of exploding, but it just never has gotten there yet.
1: Yeah, especially Japanese fiction in particular. It seems that foils and Waterstones are kind of pushing those a little bit more these days.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Japanese and Korean literature I seem to see a lot of. And I feel like there's more and more people going, I need to read more books from around the world. And people Mm. try to challenge themselves to read more widely books around the world. So... I feel like it might explode, but who knows? It probably might just die out as a fad.
1: True, which would be a shame. People seem to be really getting into it, and I'd like to keep their interest in that.
0: Yeah, so would I, especially because I've got a whole podcast dedicated to it.
1: <laughs> True, you have slightly more incentive than me.
0: Yeah. What what are some of your favourite translations? Put you on the spot.
1: Oh, I absolutely loved Familiar Things by Hwang Sakyong, uh, Korean fiction. I don't know if you've read that one. I've not seen you posting about it anywhere.
0: No, I have not read that one yet.
1: No, fantastic. It looks at uh, how the people are affecting the climate and the environment and also how that affects them spiritually in their belief system. And it was a phenomenal book, all squished into 200 pages. It was incredible.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I like about translations. They seem to pack so much into like one hundred and fifty, two hundred pages. Mm. You don't get that much. Like we're too used to people like Stephen King that have to spread it into a thousand pages,
1: or George R. R. Martin who have to do it in ten thousand pages.
0: <laughs> well, with George R. R. Martin, he's got a board. I don't think he'll even finish a series.
1: No. Let's not get into Game of Thrones. It's still too recent for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I never got into it, so.
1: (laughs) You're very lucky.
0: Uh, Yeah, probably am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I can't think of many fantasy translations apart from the Witcher series, which is also a video game.
1: Oh, okay, I've not heard of that one.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's more um, kind of Viking style, high fantasy type novels. Mm. They're, they're pretty big. Well, the video games seem to be pretty big as well, but I can't think of many other fantasy type novels. they are probably heaps of just not looking.
1: We need to go on a rampage and find some. <laughs>
0: I'm not much of a fantasy reader, so maybe not. But I probably should do more. Maybe
1: that can be my project. <laughs>
0: All right, you do that. I guess you could probably count uh, "The Shadow of the Wind" as fantasy.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, I can have what little that. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you not read that one?
1: No, this master's has taken its toll. I'm ready to jump back in and start building my TBR up again.
0: Well, now you can you've got time to read books. Exactly. <laughs> but you'll be working, so you probably won't have time to read books.
1: Oh true, I've got to get a real grown-up job now.
0: Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. There's never enough time to read <laughs> books.
1: Hopefully I can find a nice compromise. I'll have a long commute. That'll that'll be when I can read.
0: Yeah. That that helps. I live in a city that takes me five minutes to get everywhere, so Good for sleeping in, not so good for podcasts and audiobooks.
1: (laughs) Well, I thought London would be like that, but it turns out it takes you 40 minutes on the tube to get anywhere in London.
0: Not so good for having to wake up, I guess, but (laughs) at least you get some listening done. Exactly. Okay, so I've got you on to talk about Crimson by Navarra Cornelison, and that was translated by Anna... Halliger. um this is an interesting book i think we need to talk about the plot but i try not to do too much spoilers but i think it's the type of book you just experience the characters anyway so the plot Mm. talking about what happens is not really a big deal
1: yeah it's very character driven
0: yeah um it's interesting she wrote this book in greenlandish and then translated it herself into Danish.
1: Yes, and then we get translated from Danish to English. Yeah,
0: yeah. They, they uh, the original title's Homo Sapien. What do you think of that title instead of Crimson?
1: In some ways, I think it much more obviously links to the messages that Eason was trying to go for, and that these are very human stories yeah very much stories that happen to people now whereas crimson <laughs> links more to one aspect of one person's story it's a little bit more mysterious and would sell better to a british audience
0: well i don't know if it's too much of a big deal to say where the name came from but it's the name of a song crimson and cloves by joe jenna like yes Crimson and Clover. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I was just listening to that song.
1: (laughs) It's actually a great song. I love it.
0: Yeah, it is. I remember it, but it's been a while since I've actually listened to the song.
1: (laughs) I was going to say it's 100% one of those songs that you would expect to hear in this kind of situation of all these mid-twenties people in house parties. Someone picks up a guitar. Of course, they're going to play something like Crimson and Clover.
0: Oh, it's very fitting to... for the
1: setting of the book.
0: I'm disappointed. I thought they were going to play Wonderwall.
1: Oh, no. All my uni flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. They're all there.
0: <laughs> or smoke on the water.
1: Oh, iconic. For a 17-year-old <laughs> boy who's finally found a guitar to pick up.
0: It's the only song they can play. What did you think of Crimson?
1: I thought it was a really interesting book. And purely because of the country it's set in, it's not a region that brings out a lot of its own literature. They tend to import a lot of their literature from Denmark, from the UK, from the US. So I thought it was really interesting to get a look at that community, which is so small, and then a subset of that community as well.
0: Yeah. So basically, it's a group of interconnected characters. There's five of them. So five. Five. check.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's a frantic yeah. of knots.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I really like the way this um, plays out. Like you start off with one character, and then when another character starts playing uh, more central role in the story it switches to their point of view and continues the story
1: Mm, and I like that once one character's main story is done we don't move on from them entirely they are sustained through the rest of the book as well
0: yeah um and a lot of these people are queer characters in the book I guess they're all queer characters so there's kind of this underlying sense of homophobia that kind of plays out in the background that's Mm. really interesting like it's a small town kind of situation and while it's not really a focus on it it, it's there and I think that's kind of interesting to have it in the background and not really making it a focus
1: Mm, because it does maintain a sense of conflict but it's never an outright plot point when you might consider it to be (laughs) So it kind of avoids that cliche of any coming out stories being very stereotypical.
0: These um, stories are almost stereotypical, but I feel like the way it's approached, it's more feels different to what we're used to when we hear stories about like, more similar to this. Mm. Like if we start with Fia, which is the first story, she like has this in- Tense attraction to another woman and you see that conflict play out which is um interesting in the way it just plays out and she struggles with it like the internal conflict of it but it never seems to be like it never feels like it's a cliche
1: Mm, I think having it so centered in her point of view and having her come to terms with this revelation it's actually really refreshing because we often see it from a point of view of having to tell people these things and having to see people's reactions when this was solely her story and she was really in charge of that narrative if she wasn't in charge of the events that were happening to her.
0: I really liked it. It's that whole, oh, I'm dating this guy, but there's definitely something here and I don't know how to deal with this and having it all play out in her head.
1: Mm. It was nice to see that conflict as well it wasn't a particularly sustained conflict but it gave you an insight into how turbulent that can be
0: yeah who do we go on from there i can't remember uh we we go on to uh, her brother yeah and that was more difficult to read i think
1: yes like his
0: his struggle with homophobia like that rage he has inside him that that was hard to read.
1: It was really hard to read as well, and almost how it had an impact on how he saw the world around him made it quite difficult. It infected all the parts of his life.
0: Yeah, so much so that he doesn't really see his own sister as a person anymore, almost.
1: Mm. It's very other yeah. and it's to see the damage that kind of rhetoric does throughout time. Is really clear in Enoch's story.
0: Yeah, but his, his, his journey is still an interesting one to explore. And I probably oh, won't go, in, yeah, I probably don't need to go into too much detail on it unless you wanted to go into more.
1: The thing I find most interesting about his story is that it isn't really even necessarily related to queerness as such. It's this running metaphor that his entire story is based around of being trapped for different reasons and escape, And I just think it is so different from the rest of the book that it really, it's almost as if we're reading something else. It's really interesting dynamic.
0: Yeah, it's definitely true. And it kind of like takes over his whole life, this anger. Mm. But I guess it's probably uh, interesting, even if it kind of feels a little out of place for the rest of the story, it's definitely an issue that was probably definitely a useful point of view to explore in this situation.
1: Yes, to have some (laughs) conflict that was really present as well.
0: Yeah, not that you want it and you never want people to feel that. (laughs)
1: No, but it was a very realistic attitude to portraits. uh, Attitudes that we come into contact with very frequently. (laughs) I think it would have been unrealistic to admit it, really.
0: Let's move on to the next character, because I think that's one that we might need to talk a bit longer about, and that's Anik. Yes. And that's um, Inik's friend, and Fia moves in with her. Um, yeah, I uh, found
1: uh, Anik. Anik? Anik.
0: Anik, yeah.
1: Anik to be a really interesting character because she was almost a representation of like some of the biggest queer cliches all stuffed into one person. Yeah. To see her interact with different people was really interesting. But it brought out almost different facets of queerness.
0: Yeah, there, there was a lot going on there, and I think the main aspect that probably plays into the driving the story forward is helping uh, be the guide for Theo as she explores her yeah. own queerness. Like that, I think. Like she, she sees that she's she's struggling with this, and she tries to help her through. I don't know if it's the yeah. best way to help someone through. It's like, here, let me give you but it's more like, here, let's give you a good experience for your first time and let's show you what you're missing, almost.
1: <laughs> yeah, and way it is, it's a very gentle introduction as well. It's yeah. You can tell that she cares a lot for yeah. yeah, and it's not yeah. opportunistic it's genuinely a really
0: lovely representation yeah i kind of like that she was more like i i want to make sure that your first time is good experience and not something that you'll regret later Mm. so it was like caring trying to help her explore herself but Mm -hmm. maybe her i don't know if it was probably the best direction for her but at least she had an experience that she I don't know I feel a little judgy because I'm a straight man talking about it
1: (laughs) no yeah don't worry your queer is here to confirm uh that is it is a really it's a really nicely framed experience and yeah it almost invites her into the bigger culture And helps her situate herself in this new community, in this new environment she finds herself in.
0: Yeah, so she almost becomes like a, well, I've already called her a guide. So yeah, she's like, I'm here, I'm your friend, I'm going to help you through this. So you can um, fall back on me if you need it kind of situation.
1: Mm.
0: Which I think is probably something that, more people wanting not just in queer life but in everyday life, someone that will be there to help them and guide them.
1: It's absolutely a relationship of friendship as much as anything else. And yeah. it is that she is kind of trying to buoy Fear along and help her find a path that isn't just all right. She after the relationship has just left, she wants it to feel like she is part of something.
0: I guess you could call her her queer mentor.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh, did you want she to move knows on? She where all the
1: good house parties are.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's the important thing, as long as you know where the parties are. Do you want to move on to Ivik?
1: Yes, Ivik is a really, really interesting character. So are we are we having a spoilery section at this point?
0: I don't know if we should spoil it yet. Yeah, maybe we'll leave the spoiler to the end. Mm. But I'm trying to work out how to, like, Ivok is the partner of Nia's love is for Sarah, like, her attraction Mm. is towards Sarah, and Ivok is Sarah's partner.
1: Yeah, so throughout most of the book, Ivok is kind of shown as a barrier to Fia's happiness. She can't be with Sarah, who is this magical being that she locks eyes with across the room. Um, because Ivik is suddenly there. And every turn, yeah. Ivik is blocking fear. Um, and also, Ivik becomes a barrier to Anik as well, in a different way. So I think it's interesting to have someone in that role of conflict so consistently and then also get to explore their point of view.
0: Yeah, and they always come out as like an antagonist, but they don't really... they. They're just in a relationship and we do get to explore their point of view and their relationship in detail as well. So I think the way it comes out, it's more like here's some conflict, here's a bit of a struggle, but this is not an antagonist. This is someone that's in a relationship and dealing with their own relationship dramas as well.
1: And dealing with a lot of their own personal stuff as well. And suddenly a lot of Ivic's behaviour throughout the book makes a lot of sense once you reached that chapter
0: yeah what I really liked in this book and it plays out a lot in I chapter is the text messages that you see yes. back and forth throughout the it's I kind of like the way this book has done those text messages they feel like they're like an extra insight into the relationship
1: I feel like it's something that must be very hard to get right in fiction yeah. is including text messages, emails, any of that yeah. kind of thing.
0: It is very hard. But, it's like how do, how do you embed it into TV shows or things like that as well? Like how, how do you have hmm. text messages? But I think in this book it kind of worked. I like the way it's like you get a peek at their phone and see what's happening.
1: I think as well because of the characters it follows and the fact it is so focused on – almost like the young millennial lifestyle that if it wasn't in this book it would seem really odd and disjointed it's like another part of their lives another huge method of communication that would be totally cut off so I think in some senses it really does make sense
0: yeah I, I read a book recently where it was meant to be about like love it was called love in the new millennium but it didn't feel like anyone had a phone so this doesn't seem like the right (laughs) These exactly
1: that is my bugbear that's why I don't read YA very often because all these teenagers no one has a phone
0: yeah
1: I'm 23 and I couldn't live without my phone that's the world we live in now
0: well I'm a much older person and I can't live without my phone I'm not even a millennial (laughs)
1: Who knows if I'm millennial? It depends which website I look on as to what I am.
0: Yeah, every now and then they try and say that I'm a millennial. It's like no, I'm definitely Gen X.
1: I've, I've given I up trying to keep
0: up. Yeah, I get mad when they try and put me <laughs> in a few groups. It's like I'm an old man. Leave me I'll alone. Ask me how
1: it is. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be too offended.
0: Well, you know, you grow up saying, Oh, you're Gen X all the time. Like you get referred to as Gen X and complained mm. about all the time. And then yeah, suddenly you're well. a millennial. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> No, I've always been Gen X. <laughs> Don't
1: it's take interesting. This away because, from me.
0: Yeah, because back in my day, it was Gen Y they were called before they changed oh. to millennials.
1: We got rebranded. It's the most millennial thing we can do.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true. Gen Y is getting a bad rap. We better rebrand. <laughs> and then Sarah is the last person and her relationship, her her chapter focuses on her sister's child more than the relationships everywhere else. But it it's kind of a nice way to end the book, I, I feel like. Just wraps up. Everything. In a, it feels like
1: her chapter spans a lot of other people's chapters and helps get yeah. those last connections between them.
0: Yeah, and so her her relationships and her connections have already played out. So we're starting a connection with her sisters giving birth and her first nephew or niece is about to be born. So it's like new chapter in life. We're going to. Make a new connection.
1: Mm. And how that affects her outlook as well, having had this new baby in her life and kind of the need to be good and the need to be pure, and then set against the messiness that is all the relationships in this book. Yeah. Quite the contrast.
0: What did you think of the book overall, now that we've kind of gone through the people?
1: Yeah, overall, I really, really enjoyed this book. I felt like it was very honest. And it kind of took you into those situations with the characters. But at times I do think the brevity affected how detailed it could be, if that yeah. makes sense. So yeah, especially with Ivic, you got a lot of that kind of turmoil that they were going through, but it wasn't particularly sustained. It felt like it had to be wrapped up and it couldn't be left open ended.
0: Well, I feel like with, I, I think it's such a complicated situation that I don't know how you can wrap that up any way apart from exactly. just kind of – You can go for pages and pages and still never get a decent resolution with it. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's that's very true.
0: Yeah, I think, like, there was a lot going on and it felt very raw with the emotions – And it did feel like some of it had to be skimmed over and wrapped up quickly for the type of book it was. But I feel like there was just a lot of intense emotions that did play out, which I really enjoyed in the book.
1: Mm. I think for a debut novel especially, it really managed those raw emotions and just... The style didn't get in the way of that. It was, like, very sparsely written. But also it managed to have this huge emotional impact.
0: Yeah, well, I read this last year and everything in it is still very clear. It's still a book that I keep returning to and thinking about because it had that kind of impact. It just has that lasting effect.
1: I'm only a couple of months, even maybe a month out of reading it, and I've read it twice, and I know it's one of those few books that I will <laughs> reread over and over and over again.
0: And, and it's one of those books that you could probably just dip into, like, one character and then put it down.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so it would be a good book to dip in and out of throughout the years. And I hope she continues to write in this style because I, I really like it.
1: Yes, I've heard that she's writing her second novel at the moment, but uh, not much more than that, so I'm hoping it is yeah. similar.
0: I, I I struggle to come up with any other examples of a novel written in a similar style.
1: Actually, I was trying to think of something the other day and I still haven't managed to come up with one.
0: Yeah, like you could – I feel like I could think of something similar, but it never feels the exact same. It Mm. feels more like if this was a TV show, it would play out all at once. But Mm -hmm. I kind of like the way it's separated in the book.
1: Yeah, I don't know how well it would translate to TV if they were ever going to, if Netflix was going to come through and make me very happy by trying to buy the rights. I think some of it, especially because a lot is written in letters and texts, it would be very difficult to make visual.
0: Yeah, well, I feel like it'll all have to overlap and you mm. experience all these all these different emotions and feelings pretty much all at a similar time. And I think what works with a book is that you're focused on one person, even though they're all part of a story, you're really focusing on their emotions and what they're going through. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I like that it didn't cut between... The characters chronologically almost like a point of view chapter book would it give you much more of an insight into the characters and i think that didn't harm the plot it let you make the connections with the characters
0: uh, are you saying that netflix uh planning to make this
1: uh, uh no <laughs> i haven't no. heard anything i'm just saying if anyone wanted uh, to i think it would be a very <laughs> interesting project
0: uh, i i thought you uh, you had some insight they all inside information about Netflix and I'm trying to no, think No I
1: was <laughs> I was all the moon the other day when I heard they'd got the rights to Daisy Jones so if they did anything else for me it would be too much.
0: Yeah well I was sitting here going well Netflix has Ellen Page on board should she be Fia or should she be Sarah?
1: <laughs> oh that is the question I think Sarah
0: Yeah I think Sarah as well
1: we're just getting into a fan cast now.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know who I'd get as fear, but I only know mm. Ellen Page has a contract with Netflix. So <laughs> when you said Netflix, I was trying to cast them.
1: <laughs> See, I would say Karen Gillan for fear. I feel like that would be a, that might okay. be a shout. I don't know why in my head she is Redhead. very feminine. <laughs> Redhead, Yeah. <laughs> Because Karen Gillan yeah, could play can anything, that. she could play
0: any role. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see Karen Gillan play a like a real villain.
1: Yeah, as much as I loved Nebula, I feel like she got softened down too much. We need Karen Gillan to absolutely terrify me.
0: I don't think I've seen Nebula.
1: <laughs> oh, in any of the Marvel films, she is fantastic.
0: Oh, no, uh, uh, I know, yeah see i thought nebula was a movie i'm old i didn't realize you were talking about Cardigan, <laughs> the galaxy yeah see i'm still thinking of karen gilling in as um amy pond
1: oh the ultimate introduction to any actor comes from doctor yeah. who
0: and then selfie
1: mm.
0: <laughs> that's my entire knowledge of her
1: i need to watch the short film she directed apparently it's incredible
0: I guess we need to talk about the, probably the only spoiler in the book. Well, there's another spoiler that we didn't talk about, but I wanted to save this one because I think it's one we need to talk about, but I wanted to put it in the end because if you don't want to know what happens, then you can stop listening.
1: Yeah, it was lovely to meet you if you're leaving. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Links to Lauren are all in the show notes anyway. Uh, So we want to talk about Ivik. And the Hmm. bit that got me so angry was the bit where Sarah tells Ivik that they are a man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I have a huge, huge, I won't say hatred, dislike of any character telling another character that they are gay, that they are trans. I don't think that's anybody else's responsibility to take yeah. to pressure someone into doing anything like that. So having Sarah just turn up and tell Ivic that was something that I really struggled with and had to kind of separate from the rest of the book when I was thinking about it.
0: Yeah, so I got really angry at it mm. and I, I, I re-read it just before we started recording and I'm probably more angry with it than I probably should be because Ivik knows and they feel like Ivik needed someone to tell them that, say it out loud, because it feels like maybe it was the push that he needed to really understand, but it's still frustrating that someone else had to be the one to say it out loud for them.
1: Mm. I think as well that links back to... Having such a short amount of time to explore such a huge issue as gender dysphoria, and almost like, well, this will wrap it up nicely. It'll solve the conflict between Sarah yeah. and Ivyx's Ivic, relationship breakdown. And you can see why it was chosen as a narrative tool, but yeah. uh, it, emotionally, it was very unsettling.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it wrapped up well enough. It's like, where was it? I've got it here somewhere. Like she says, please listen to me. I'm into women, not into men. And that's pretty much how they, like, she's like, I think I'm gay. It's like, I'm not into men. And that's pretty much how it it happened.
1: It was the only moment in this whole book that it got a bit too, much like the L word for me. It was very... It was a very simplistic way to handle a situation that could have been so sensitively handled and so emotionally impactful.
0: It is a very complex issue. I don't know if you've seen the new Tales of the City. It's probably only just dropped, so you probably haven't had time.
1: No, it's on the list. I will get to
0: it. But in that, there is a character that comes out as trans before the season starts, Mm. and like his girlfriend is like, I miss being a lesbian and that whole struggle really plays out a big part throughout the season. And it's Mm. such a complex issue. It's like, they've got this chemistry, they've got this history and this love and they care about each other. But like that whole struggle really is such a very complex journey and very complex issue to explore. I think, It was done a lot better than this book, I think. To try and explore that issue, you probably need another 200, maybe more pages just to explore that whole thing. Mm.
1: Yeah, it can't just be thrown in at any point to be, like, a character's backstory. It has to be, like, really sensitively handled and, like, sustained throughout the whole book as well.
0: It's just a different conflict that doesn't get explored so to just brush it off like that feels very like very dismissive of the journey that ivyx go through
1: because it's almost as if that journey is then taken away because we're only really seeing beginnings of gender dysphoria and not really being sure why they're so uncomfortable with the body and then sarah is there like oh i have the answer you're a man and it it kind of devalues some of that journey yeah
0: yeah i i really want to read more or explore that kind of issue more because it's fascinating like Mm. it must be such a hard thing to navigate
1: i think as well Um, part of the issue is there's very little media about it as well so there's very little guidance
0: yeah that's right yeah
1: to feel represented
0: well yeah we don't get enough representation and that's one of the things i loved about With Tales of the City and that storyline, it's just because it's something that you don't see, it Mm. feels like, wow, this is such a different story that never gets explored and the complexity of the issue is far more interesting than the straight white relationships that get explored over and over again.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Tales of the City sounds like something I would be very interested in.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen the old TV series. I wish I was streaming here, but I was very fascinated. I think I haven't seen the L word either, so I probably should see that as well.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I've only watched it once and that was enough.
0: <laughs> uh, my wife loves it. <laughs> but yeah, I just don't think these stories get explored enough and there's so much there that people could do to explore it just would be nice to have it so play out a little more than it did in crimson
1: Mm. and you do get an issue like this in the l word but it's one of those examples where it's very badly handled um and probably does a lot more harm than good so good representations as well as just more representations
0: yeah well i don't i don't think non-binary people get represented at nothing
1: absolutely not I think I've only recently become aware of one book that's come out and that is a YA called we wish you all the best um and people say that the representation in that is really good um I actually read a David Leverton book once that had an unbinary main character but because of the fantasy nature of the book it wasn't really discussed it was just kind of passed off as another part of this character's life that wasn't explored at all
0: yeah, I I I don't think I've ever even, even read a book by a non-binary author, which is sad. Mm. Like I have a spreadsheet. Very hard and, to find
1: lists. I think. Oh yeah, get look, those spreadsheets out.
0: Yeah, I've got a spreadsheet and I've got um, gender in there, so I've got a place for non-binary, but I just need to find some books. <laughs> but it's probably books
1: to fill in that space.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But how many people want to uh, out themselves and say, "Look, I'm non-binary." In this climate, it's probably better just to not tell people. But mm. I guess you I need mean, representation. Just yeah. yeah,
1: just yesterday, Jonathan Van Ness came out as a non-binary of queer eye. So,
0: oh, <laughs> yeah. I did see that, but my, my wife did say I should mention that, and thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, that was a, that was a surprising <laughs> turn of events yesterday. But really positive, such a visible yeah. part of the queer community as well, because non-binary people are often pushed out of that community.
0: Yeah. I'm afraid to see what the backlash is going to be like.
1: <laughs> yes, there's, there's always that.
0: Yeah, but I think if anyone can own it, it's definitely going to be Jonathan.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think he's one of those rare people who just
0: live the life and yeah, not read too deep into people. Yeah. I was listening to something the other day and I was talking about how Jonathan was their favourite of the five because he challenges stereotypes and challenges the idea of masculinity and femininity. Mm. Obviously mine's 10 because I like people that just like, (laughs) Bring the snark
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes For me Bobby is the underrated hero Of Queer Eye
0: Tan will take someone
1: shopping (laughs) Jonathan will cut the hair But Bobby will remodel An entire house in three days
0: I did see On Twitter the other day someone was Posting uh, all their Autobiographies And Bobby's the only one that hasn't got one out yet. And they said, oh, Bobby's too so busy humble. building a house. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's true.
0: Is there anything else you want to discuss
1: with Crimson? Um, that's the question. I think initially I said, oh, wow, this is amazing. I'll go and check out some more Greenlandic fiction. Um, And there isn't a huge amount, advantage. if any, <laughs> out there.
0: No, no. I don't know if there's much Greenlandic fiction, let alone like I'm I'm trying to find more queer translation because Mm. I think it'd be more interesting to explore that. But yeah, with Greenland there's not much out there. It's all marketed as books from Denmark.
1: So yeah, that was that was my next (laughs) mission stalled at the first hurdle.
0: I could probably look, but I think because Greenland is part of Denmark, it probably all get pushed mm. together.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, always more queer translated fiction.
0: Yeah. Well, always on my radar. Okay, if I find more, I need to send them your way.
1: <laughs> Some more in my Instagram inbox for me to never buy, but look at long and late every time I see them.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is like with thank you for being on this show because like this is a book that I definitely wanted to discuss on the podcast but I needed someone else to do it for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> no worries I absolutely love talking about this book so if anything you've done me a huge favor
0: yeah like last time i had a queer <laughs> queer book to discuss in the podcast so i had to get my sister-in-law to do it <laughs> so i need a queer person to talk about this book
1: <laughs> <laughs> well if you ever need me back i would be more than happy
0: well i have a list of other queer books that i would love to discuss on this so maybe i'll send you a list
1: <laughs> yes please
0: all right thank you for being on the podcast and i will like leave a link to your booktube your twitter i guess and instagram yeah or,
1: great thank you very much
0: are they the ones you want listed <laughs> i guess i would better check before
1: yeah youtube twitter, instagram those those are the important ones yeah yeah
0: all right so thank you and i will send you a list of other books that we should do because you're coming back all right
1: <laughs> thank you very much
0: <laughs> thank you if you want to support Lost in Translations, please go to patreon.com forward slash Translations Pod, and all money there will help support the show. And please remember to subscribe and while subscribing, please rate the show. This will help others find the podcast. All our links to social media are in the show notes and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Let's See Under Translations Pod. Thank you for listening and... This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Walgaruka Bar and Bindul people. We acknowledge their ownership of this land and all the traditional owners in Australia and acknowledge their care of the land. This is a Macaulay Flower production.